Hey, I am just super excited uh, once again just to let you know we just love being a part of your life and just grateful to have you with us. How many of you are ready to get into a brand new series? Amen. I'm super excited to share with you this month the goodness of God. And today I specifically want to talk about how God is good. So turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. Turn to your other neighbor, please, and say, all the time, God is good. You know, speaking of how good God is, I heard about this woman who had a near-death situation, was brought into the hospital, and she had an encounter with the Lord and said, Lord, is this, is this my time? Am I, am, I, am I checking out? Am I really leaving? And I'd really like to stay longer. And he looked at her, and he said, well, how much longer would you like to stay? And she said, well, at least 40 more years. And he said, Okay. And so since she had that reassurance that she's going to be here for another 40 years, she decided since I'm in the hospital anyway, I'll just have some, you know, things done with my body, like some implants and tummy tuck and facelift and all these different things. She had, after about three months, after all these different surgeries, she walks out of the hospital doors and immediately is hit by a truck and killed. She stands before the Lord and says, Lord, I thought I had another 40 years. And he said, I apologize. I just didn't recognize you. <laughs> All right. That's just a joke. You all knew that, right? I do want to talk about the goodness of God, though, today. And, uh, you know, the word good from the Hebrew and the Greek means pleasant, beautiful, excellent, rich, prosperous, well, appropriate, beneficial, happy, honest, honorable, and right. Doesn't that sound like our God? God is pleasant. God is beautiful. God is excellent. God is rich. God is prosperous. God is well. God is appropriate, beneficial, happy, honest, honorable, and right. Amen? You know, let me say this, though, because sometimes people confuse God. If God was to live one way and tell us to live another way, wouldn't that be hypocritical? I just want us to be really honest and ask ourselves some really, you know, deep questions today ourselves. I think it's really important to ask ourselves, if God was to live one way but tell us that we need to live a different way, that's having two different standards, isn't it? One for him and one for us. But did you know God wants us to live like him? In fact, he says to imitate him. And I think it's really important that we recognize who God truly is. That God is a good God. Now, this week when I was praying about this and, and the Lord spoke to me about doing this series, it was very clear. He said, I want you to talk about my goodness for this next month that and, you know, I asked myself the question, why does he want us to talk about his goodness? And I believe, number one, is because he's wanting to do something amazing in our life. He wants us to develop our faith because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. And so our faith is established when we know the will of God and, and when we come to discover that God is a good God and we can come to expect. So our faith is expecting, we're expecting, we're looking for the goodness of God. So it, it brings rainbow revelation to us when we hear the voice of God, the shepherd of the overseer of our soul, saying he is good. So we begin to expect good out of him and his word. 
But I believe also that God reveals himself to his people for another reason, too, and that's to impart relationship skills. Amen? Because when God shows himself to you and reveals himself to you, he wants you to be like him. He wants you to live like him. He wants you to think like him. He wants you to act like him. And it is possible, amen? I want us to read this next, uh, this, our, our theme scripture together. I want us to read it out loud together, and it's Psalm 34, verse 8. And uh, this is going to be just our, our theme scripture for the whole month. But let's read it together. Oh, hey, let's say that word again. Oh, turn to your neighbor and say, oh, <laughs> taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Let's just read it again. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. God wants you to taste and see for yourself. And you know, if you have a really good meal, what are you going to do? Oh, wow. Mm. You're not going to be, oh, this is such a nice cuisine. cuisine, And, and I, I just really think this is so, so nice and so fancy and all. We're going to be like, oh, this is so good. Mm. God wants you to taste and see for yourself that he is good, that he is a good God. You know, I, I love the scriptures found in Psalm 37, verse 4. It reminds us that God is passionate. He's desi- his desire is to give you the desires of your heart. Says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, I believe God places those desires there too. You know, when you're delighting yourself in him, all of a sudden it's like, I have a desire to be good to my wife. I have a desire to be good to my children. I have a desire, uh, it might be other things too. It's like, man, I have a desire to go on a vacation, and all of a sudden God gives you an opportunity to go on a vacation. Or, you know, he's just a good God. He places those desires there, but he also gives you the desires of your heart. You know, he's just such a good God, and all he's saying is, just delight yourself in me. Just delight yourself in me. You know, we talked about just briefly last week as we were closing up our last series that, you know, sometimes people in this world today, especially more today than ever before, have gotten caught up passionately pursuing the wrong things, making idols into other things. You know, in in today's society, uh, when the Lord had asked me several weeks ago, he said, you know, this question, he asked me this question. um, He said, you know, why do men want to have multiple wives? Why do they want to have multiple women in their life? You know, that's a a common issue among men. Now, ladies, don't look at the man next to you. Just just know that he's sanctified, he's holy, he's got a halo on his head, and he would never think that way in a million years. Just know that he's set free, you know. But, you know, somebody that may be watching today, online, you know. <laughs> but he asked me that question, and I was like, well, I don't know. Because I had a Christian professor say from another country, he came from another country, and he said, you know, if it wasn't for the American plan and establishment that you can only marry one wife, he said, I would be happy to have multiple wives. And we're all like, okay, <laughs> uh, let's make, take notes on this one today, you know. And, uh, but the Lord said the reason why men want multiple women in their life and that's why sometimes they struggle with things, looking at the wrong things, amen, uh, is because they want to be worshipped. 
Men want to be worshipped. And now all you ladies are like, oh, I can't believe it, I can't believe it. What, do you, what does he think, he's God or something? Now then he wanted to make sure that the women felt like he was giving them attention, so he asked me the question, so why do women dress inappropriately? Now if you've ever been to a beach or anything, you know what I'm talking about. You know, there's bottom feeders walking around all on the beach, and I'm not talking about in the water. I'm talking about things that are getting eaten by their bottoms, and it's like there's hardly anything there. And the Lord asked me that question. He said, why do women dress inappropriately? And he said, because I really didn't know. And he said, because they want to be worshipped. They want to be worshipped. But how many know that we cannot be God and satisfy anybody like the big G-O-D can? And as much as people like to be admired, there is a boundary that gets crossed sometimes in our society of men looking at the wrong things and women dressing inappropriately uh, to get attention from men because they want to be worshipped and he wants to be worshipped. And the fact is, is that nobody satisfies like our Savior Jesus Christ. And when that body grows old... Now, I apologize to tell you that if you don't know it already, but one day, that body, even if you're fine, good looking right now, gravity is going to have its way in your body. And someday, you're going to be having things drooping down that you just didn't want to be drooping down, and you may even go and get some things to droop back up (laughs) and tucked back and tucked in. But you know what? It's not going to last And the quicker we get over ourselves, and the more we keep our eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, the only one that can truly satisfy, and his name is Jesus, the more desires of our heart we will be given. I'm having fun with this already, aren't I? That was not in my notes today, so (laughs) here goes the message. You know, it was so funny because years ago, the Lord was revealing to me why he wants to display his goodness in my life. And through my life. And it was starting with Amy, of course, in a good way. And my mother in love. How many have a mother in love, not a mother in law or an outlaw? You know what I'm talking about? All you, all you, mother in love. It's getting kind of quiet. Okay, moving along real quick. I got a mother in love. She's awesome. So she came to visit us. We were living in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the time. And she came to visit us, and Amy and I had some, like, college furniture that I thought was really cool. And Amy's mom, occasionally, she would sit down and she said, man, this stuff is so hard, it knocks the wind out of me when I sit down. Well, Amy decides, well, I, I think it's better, it's, it's, even though it's not in our budget, let's, I'm going to personally take on a faith project here. And so she cuts out some pictures of some furniture that she wants. All right, Amen. The Lord is our shepherd and we shall not, okay? If we're focusing on our needs, we'll never get what we want. God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. What do you want? Not focusing on what you need. What do you want? We serve a big God. And so she cut out a picture, even though it wasn't in our natural budget, it was always in God's budget, amen? 
And so she cut out a picture of some furniture that she really liked. She put it on her poster board or her vision board, and she put some scriptures underneath it. I think, in fact, one of the scriptures, I believe, might have been Psalm 37, verse 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, and maybe a couple other scriptures. And she came to me and said, Sean, would you set your faith in agreement with me? And she says a prayer, and I just say, amen. Well, about a week or so goes by, and she's kind of just picking something up, because when two or three are gathered in his name, uh, he's present, and when two are in agreement, you can ask for anything in his name. And I'm telling you, God will move mountains for you, because he loves you. And so she comes to me about a week later, and she says, Sean, are, are you sure you're in agreement over this new furniture? And I said, well, I like this stuff that we have. Now... You know, my wife is, I, I used to always believe, and I still do to this day, I used to always think she was an angel because she was so, so sweet, and still is to this day, and I used to kind of look around her back to see if there's really wings or something back there, and, and you know, she didn't say anything. She didn't scold me and say, Sean, come on, <laughs> you loser. I mean, come on, seriously, don't you think that God can do better? But she didn't say anything. I just, you know, just said what I did, and she you know, humbled herself before the Lord, submitted herself to the Lord, and took it into the Lord's hands. Because how many know women, uh, submission is knowing when to duck so God can hit the right person? <laughs> so she didn't say a word. She just brought it before the Lord. And I'll tell you what, God got me good. I came home one day, and she was at work, and I sat down in one of our chairs, and, and I just, it was, it was just a real quiet moment, solitude, just a really peaceful moment. And and all of a sudden, I hear the Spirit of God say, Sean, don't you believe I can do better than that? And I'm looking right at the furniture. And it was like, all of a sudden, it was like I could see the furniture that Amy had cut out, put on our vision board, the scriptures underneath it. I could visualize it. It's like, oh, my word, have I limited you in a big way, the creator of the universe, the one who created the universe, the stars, the galaxies, the solar system. I mean, the God who created the oceans and the mountains. I mean, Oh, and I'm telling you, repentance came over me. It's like, I so apologize. Like, I can't believe I limited the creator of the universe. Yes, I believe you can do better than this stuff that we had. Now, I was grateful for what we had, but I was limiting our creator. And so all of a sudden, I got excited, and I started, and I like doing decorating. I don't know if any of you guys like to do decorating, but I like to decorate our home. I like to move furniture around and do things, fun things like that, just changing things up every few months or six months or so. And, and uh, I like to do that. And so I, I just, I could picture the furniture, where the love seat would go, where the, where the couch would go, where the chair with the ottoman would go, and where the coffee tables would go, and the end tables, and I was just so excited, I could see it, and Amy got home shortly after, and I said, Amy, I can see it, I can see it, I can see the furniture, and she could tell I was really in agreement this time, I was taking time to visualize it and see it. And I was so elated and so excited, and I told her exactly where we could put stuff in our apartment that we were living in in Tulsa, and I was so happy, so excited about it, and I could see it. I could really see it. Turn to your neighbor and say, I can see it too. Some of you women needed to say that because you're believing for some furniture, so you got to hear this. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you haven't cut out a picture of what you want yet and got some scriptures to put underneath and get it on your vision board, you need to do that because it really does work. So I got it. I could see it. And seven days later, say seven days later, seven days later. I'm at the college campus there where I was going to college, 
And a guy comes up to me, and he knew that I worked for the Tulsa Dream Center, and I helped take care of the North Tulsa area with, uh, you know, everything from helping them to get their GEDs to basketball camps to feeding the poor and clothing them and, and so on. And it was just a phenomenal experience, and I'd preach to them, and it was such a, a phenomenal experience. But he knew, this guy knew that I helped uh, meet the needs, you know, God used me to help to help be these people who needed things in their life. And, and, um, and he said to me one day as he's walking on the college campus, and I don't know him from Adam, and he says, Sean, do you know, I mean, I got to know him a little bit in my class, but he said, do you know uh, anybody that could use some furniture? And all of a sudden it was like, Amy. I'm like, well, um, my wife has been praying for some new furniture. And can I ask what it looks like out of curiosity? And he said, well, he said, and this guy, you just have to know him, but he said, the furniture, yeah. He said, um, it's like celery color. I'm like, mm, that's not, doesn't sound right. Uh, because Amy, the furniture that she had cut out was white, like an uh, off-white, just a little bit like a white ivory or something like that. It was, and he, when he said salary, I was like, well, that doesn't sound right. But he started describing it, and then the rest of it sounded like it. And I'm like, well... You know, it, it kind of sounds something similar to what my wife is praying for. Um, I didn't want to tell him that it wasn't totally right because I didn't know. I mean, it, it could be the desires of her heart. I don't know. So I said, would you mind if we come check it out? And he said, oh, of course, please. And, and you know, I'm talking to a, a college student. And usually college students don't have nice things sometimes. I'm not saying that's the case for everybody, but, you know, I'm thinking college student. I'm thinking salary. I'm not so sure if I'm interested in this. <laughs> And so, and I've seen some college uh, stuff, you know, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> and so, anyway, I um, go in where Amy was working at the college there, and I said, Amy, say there's this guy that I go to college with, and she had met him, and I said, he said something about some furniture, and he offered, uh, you know, to come look at it, and she right away said, it's mine, it's my furniture, and she got all excited, she got all excited, she's like, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for my new furniture, I'm like, wait, 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 wait a minute, he said, it's salary, yours is white, no, it's mine, I know it's mine, I know it, and the Spirit of God was just bearing witness, and she was so excited, and so I said, well, let's go take a look at it, you know, I'm still kind of skittish about this whole idea, because it's a college student, and so... We drive over to an estate where multi-millionaires lived. And we drive in through the gates, and we're like, oh, whoa, I'm a country bumpkin, you know? I'm like, oofda, you know? All the Minnesota terminology started coming out of me, and it's like, oh. And these houses were immaculate and, and like mansion sizes, and we're driving. And I'm thinking, he's a college student? I'd like to know his daddy, you know? So we're, we're driving in, and we drive up to this estate, and this thing is elaborate. And he comes to the door, and I'm just thinking, is like your dad here or something, you know? And he was, you have to know, he was 45 years old. He, kind of, he was an old college student for a freshman anyway. And uh, he said, oh, come on in, come on in. And, and he brings us into part of the house, and he shows the furniture, and it's ivory. It's white. I'm thinking, I thought you said it was celery. But you know, sometimes guys are not real detailed. I'm not. 
<laughs> miss a few little details every once in a while, but it was identical to what Amy had cut out. And he said, you know, we bought this furniture from an upper end uh, place in New York. That's where they're from. And he was an entrepreneur of a multi-million dollar corporation that he walked away that had over 800 employees, five international offices. He had a jet. He had all these things. I had no idea. I'm sitting next to a college student that I could tell he's a little bit of a fish out of the water, but I had no idea that this college freshman was a very wealthy entrepreneur. Uh, and so anyway, we built a good relationship, a friendship with him, and I won't tell you the long story, but in short, for the furniture, it was the desires of our heart as we put it into our house that it fits so perfectly. But I say that because... God wanted to release his goodness in my life and through my life to be a blessing to my wife. God is not interested in just blessing you just to bless you, even though he would do it if you were the only person in the world. But he's a God that thinks above and beyond you. And he's thinking, if I can just reveal my goodness in and through this person, then I can draw more people to me. Because how many know that the enemy is very much fighting the victorious life, the prosperous life, the longevity life, the pure life, and, and uh, the abundant life? He is fighting it because he knows that if he can convince the world that God is not a good God, but if the world finds out that God is a good God and desires to give you the desires of your heart, then the world will come running to him. And the body of Christ, unfortunately, has taught many people that God sometimes, he's, done the one, he's the one that took that person home premature. That car wreck, that happened because God wanted to teach you a lesson. That's kind of like the mindset that if the devil shows up at your house tomorrow, you have to make sure is this God? So you say to the devil, devil, did you come because God sent you or did you come on your own? Because if you came on your own, I'm going to resist you. And that's how the body of Christ thinks is they don't understand that God is a good God all the time, that he's a good God. And the enemy is a liar, the father of lies. So he's going to tell you every time God sent me. Just like the old junior high joke where you come up behind someone and hit them in the back of the head and they turn around and all your friends are hanging out and you're pointing to them and, and they don't know who did it. And the devil does that every day to God's people. He comes up and nails them behind the head and he points up, he's the one that did it. Because he wants you to not expect God's goodness in your life. But God is good. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is good. And turn to your other neighbor and say, all the time. Psalm 84, verse 11 through 12, it says, For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows grace and favor and honor. No good thing. Say that with me. No good thing. Will he withhold from those who walk uprightly? O Lord of hosts, how blessed and greatly favored is the man who trusts in you, believing in you, relying on you, and committing himself to you with confident hope and expectation. Now, expectation means you're expecting it. Amen? <laughs> People expect bad things to happen. Have you ever met those people? Oh, man, it's going to be a bad week. And they say it. How many know you cannot go around talking about how high the gas prices are or how high taxes are or how big that problem is and experience the goodness of God? 
Ooh, that got a little quiet. Moving right along. We've got to go around talking about how big our God is, how good our God is, how awesome our God is, that he wants us to lend and not borrow. He wants us to be the head and not the tail, above only and never beneath. He wants us to be blessed coming in and blessed going out, blessed in the city and blessed in the country, that everything you put your hands to prospers and succeeds. I remember the Lord saying to me, that friend that we became friends with, the guy that gave us the furniture, I mean, the Lord gave us the furniture through him, he said, you know, we bought this furniture a couple of years ago, and he said, we tried to give it away three different times, but we just couldn't give it away. And it was people that it just wouldn't fit in their house. I mean, it was really upper-end luxury furniture, and, and it lasted us many, many years. In fact, some in the church actually ended up receiving it years later after we uh, moved on from that furniture. We sewed it into some other people here in the church, and they've been able to enjoy it. It's been longevity-type furniture, good stuff, good high quality. But we've got to know that our God is a good God, that he's actually protecting things from going to other people if we will stay in faith. That God is no respecter of persons, that he truly does want his promises to be yes and amen for you. You know, it is true. Oral Roberts used to always say, something good is going to happen to you. And man, did that make people mad. It irritated Christians. How does he know something good is going to happen to people? (laughs) Why don't you turn uh, to your neighbor and point at yourself and say, something good is going to happen to me. And turn to your other neighbor and say, something good is going to happen to you. You've got to talk it. You've got to expect it, the psalmist says. You know, in Psalm 35, verse 27, it says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause, and let them say continually. Not just occasionally, from time to time, oh, once in a while. Continually. Say continually. Let the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his people or his servant. So why don't you just say out loud, the Lord takes pleasure in my prosperity. Say it again. Just, I just want to build your confidence. The Lord has pleasure in my prosperity. God takes pleasure in you winning spirit, soul, body, financially, socially. He's a good God. He wants you to win in life. He's for you, not against you. Even when you mess up, he's for breaking you free from that mess and turning that mess and turning it into a message. We've got to know that God is a good God, though, and that's why Jesus came. He came to describe and to perform and to illustrate and to show you the perfect will of God. In fact, in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus very clearly states, it's the thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He knows three things. To steal, to steal what? To steal the word of God. To kill and to destroy. That's all he knows to do. So say this with me. The devil is bad and God is good. Jesus goes on to say, but I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. And it's very clear the Bible says that Jesus absolutely represented the perfect will of his Father. He said, I do nothing except for what I see my Father do, and I say nothing except for what I hear my Father say. He absolutely performed the perfect will of God, the heart of God, and he went about doing good. 
In fact, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38 says, God, how God anointed a Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with great power, and he went about doing. He went about doing. He went about doing. Who was with him? <laughs> he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil because God was with him. God is for you, not against you. You know, sometimes when we talk like this, people always say, oh, those people, they just need to get real. Man, what are they smoking? They're just living in a bubble. Their head is in the sand. Don't they know how bad this world is? That's pie in the sky. That's too good to be true. Get your feet on the ground. Be real. In other words, what they're saying is that this is an evil world, and that is their reality. There's a rap artist that uh, sang about all the bad things and the evil things. And a reporter one day said to him, said, why do you sing about all those bad things? And he's like, oh, man. He said, that's just the world we live in. But if he would drive six blocks down the road, he'd find people praying together, going on church, going to church together. He would find people going on picnics together, laughing and playing and having a good time. But that was the world he didn't live in. Can I tell you something that's more real? His name is Jesus Christ. And God is real, and he is really good. Jesus taught us to pray, Our Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He taught us to pray that, that we would experience heaven on earth in our marriages and our families and our relationships and our callings. God wants you to be experiencing heaven on earth. And Jesus came and he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now you go. In other words, I'm empowering you. I'm delegating my authority. Go in my name and you cast out demons. You take authority over sickness. You heal the blind and the deaf. You do these things. You lift up those serpents. They won't harm you. He says, you do this in my name. In other words, he's given you the key to authority, and it is the name of Jesus. And every knee will bow to the name of Jesus, including sickness and disease and cancer and any other curse. Jesus has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So you could be free. Psalm 23, verse 1, once again, the Lord is my shepherd, and say this with me, I shall not want. You know, God so much longs to give you everything. 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 What is his is yours. I love this story of a friend of ours one day. He said his little three-year-old boy came up to him and said, he went around, he said, Daddy, is that, is that carpet mine? Daddy, is, is that curtain mine is daddy is that tv mine and he could tell he's not going to get any rest so he just picked up his little three-year-old boy and he walked around and he said 
Yes, son. Yes, this is yours. This is yours. This bed is yours. This is yours. This is yours. And he walked outside and he said, that garage, that garage is yours. And he pointed out and named a number of other things. And he walked through the house and he walked outside and he did this for a while. He kept pointing out, this is yours and this is yours and this is yours. And, and then he thought, maybe the child was satisfied. So he went and laid down on the couch to watch the ball game. And his little three-year-old boy tapped him on the shoulder and he said, daddy, is that my couch? And he said, yes, son, this is your couch. And he said, Daddy, get out of my couch so I can watch the ball game. <laughs> he realized he needed to change yours to ours. But how many know our Heavenly Father longs to pick you up and to say, Son, daughter, this freedom is yours. This healing is yours. This earth and the fullness, it belongs to you. You know, God says in Psalm 2, verse 8, Ask me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth as your possession. I realize we can't take this earth home to be with us in heaven, nor would we want to. But God longs to give you and your children's children an inheritance. He longs in Proverbs 13, 22, to take the wealth of the sinner and to transfer it into your hands. Why? Because the righteous know what to do with it. The righteous have priority and perspective. They believe in building the kingdom of God. They believe in building the kingdom of darkness. God wants and longs to give you and your children inheritances. It's beyond you. It's to your children's children to be thinking forward. You know, Amy and I were talking about this yesterday, and we have a financial advisor that does, like, growth track and so on here in the church, and she's done uh, FPU and some other financial piece university, and we're talking about this that, you know, Amy and her both grew up on farms, and, you know, in the farming industry in the 80s, there was a, a lot of farms that went out of business, and the farms that actually made it, they just, farmers just think differently a lot of times, you know what I'm saying? Farmers start thinking that you've just got to make it work. So instead of going and buying retail, you go to garage sales and you believe God for a nicer pair of jeans for a quarter than going out and paying $120, where a lot of people don't get that. When they see things economically going downhill, they keep spending what they don't have. Instead of thinking about, we better tighten our belts a little bit, but God still meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory, but God has no respect of persons. He can give us a discount if we will be in faith and patience trusting him instead of spending like we've got all the money in the world, which you do, but the fact is that God expects you to be good stewards and he needs you to tighten your belt at times. I'm not saying be stingy because that's what the devil taught Adam and Eve is that God is stingy and that's what caused them to sin. God is not a stingy God, but we have to be wise stewards over everything that God gives us. And that means just don't go out and just buy whatever you want, whenever you want, uh, just because you believe God's going to back you, because if God's not in it, he's not going to back you. But God still wants you to have the desires of your heart, but you may need to go to him and say, God, where do you want me to go to buy this? And he may say, hey, instead of going to Nor uh, Nordstrom or Dillard's or Macy's or wherever, I don't know, why don't you go down the street? There's an estate sale going on right now, and I've got those exact pair of shoes at that place they're just giving away that nobody ever wore. If we think smart, think through, not just two. If we stop being impulsive, God will help you and your future move forward in life. Amen? That's not in my notes either, but I'm having fun with this. Yeah. 
But how many know that the more that God blesses us, you can become grateful? And that's a concern about the body of Christ, part of the body of Christ that doesn't like this message, that God is a good goddess, because they're concerned that the more God blesses you, the more greedy and selfish you're going to become. But did you know you can actually become more grateful and more humble the more God blesses you? I know people who are very wealthy that are, they're some of the most grateful, humble people in the world and are very giving and selfless like their heavenly father. But here's the thing is we've got to keep expecting good and keeping gratitude. In Psalm 23, verses 5 through 6, when King David said, My cup overflows, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. If you read through Psalm 23, you can see he's got great gratitude, but he's also expecting God's goodness and mercy to follow him all the days of his life. You know, the difference between King Nebuchadnezzar and King David was King Nebuchadnezzar started off on the right foot, giving glory to God, but after a while, he got prideful. And he looked around and he saw everything that he had built. And he declared it. And out of his own mouth were prideful words. And before he knew it, he fell for seven years and lost his senses and became like an animal until he came to his sense to give glory to God again. The reason people in Romans chapter 1 become debased mind and you start wondering, where in the world are they? What happened to them? Is they stopped giving glory to God and being thankful. Thankfulness, our attitude of gratitude will determine our altitude in life. And when we practice on the little things in life saying, thank you for passing that salt. Thank you for uh, doing those dishes. Thank you for doing the laundry. Hey, thank you so much for vacuuming. Hey, thank you for mowing the yard. Thank you. Appreciation. God dwells among those who are grateful and those who are appreciative in life. He inhabits the praises of his people. God enjoys being around families and husbands and wives that are appreciative of one another. Amen? Amen. Keep acknowledging that God is good and he's the one. In Deuteronomy 8.18, that gives us the power to get wealth. In fact, let's read that together. But you shall, Deuteronomy 8.18, but you shall remember... With profound respect, the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore solemnly promised to your fathers as it is this day. God longs to fulfill his promise that goes before your generation. This promise is still available because of the promise that was placed on Abraham is now placed upon you through Jesus Christ, Galatians says. And God wants to reveal his goodness to you so the world will be drawn to him in and through you. And let me put it this way as we wrap this up today. In Genesis chapter 45, verse 27, there's a story about where Joseph's brothers basically insinuated that Joseph was dead to their father, Jacob. Now, a couple of decades go by and Joseph's brothers need to go into Egypt, and they discover that Joseph is alive. So they come back home because Joseph reveals his identity to his brothers, and he says, you know, is my dad alive? And go, go get him. And so the Bible says that Joseph sent wagon loads because Joseph is now the governor over Egypt. He's like second in charge of the, and basically in the entire world, not just Egypt, but people from all around the world came to Egypt because Joseph became like a symbolism of our Savior, Jesus Christ, in many ways, used in such a dynamic way. And here's what Joseph did is he sent wagon loads of goodness 
to his father. And so the Bible says that when the, the, the brothers told Jacob about Joseph, that, listen, Jacob, dad, Joseph is alive. The Bible says that jo- Jacob's heart, like he fainted, like it stopped. But watch what it says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 27. But when they told him all the words which Joseph had said to them, and when, they, when he saw the carts, say that with me, when he saw the carts which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. In other words, he sent goodness, not carts just to carry him, but he literally sent wagon loads of goodness to his father. And when his father saw the goodness of his son, his heart revived. Nobody ever told you to go around telling everyone that Jesus is alive and to say, that's all. God says, listen, you go around and tell people Jesus is alive and I'll send wagon loads to confirm my word with signs, wonders, and miracles. And yet the body of Christ will say, limit it, limit it. Just tell people that Jesus is alive. But God is saying to you today, I'm sending you wagon loads of my goodness so the world will be revived. We are about to enter into a great revival, and it begins with you. And God is confirming his word with signs, wonders, and miracles. Wagon loads, say wagon loads to your neighbor. In Psalm 68, verse 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily leads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. And it's Romans chapter 2, verse 4 that reminds us it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. Not screaming at them, not hollering at them. You better get right or else. And preaching hell and brimstone and fire and you're going to hell. That's not going to work. It might work on a few, Jude says. It might, it might scare a few people into the kingdom of God. Did my sister Renee. But the rest of the world, but the rest of the world, I know she's got to be listed today. The rest of the world, it was the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. It's his goodness that leads man to repentance. A friend of ours one day, he was ministering doing a service, and it was just a healing service that was just phenomenal. And there was a guy that came in, sat down, very much didn't want to be there, you could tell, and somebody probably told him to go. And so he sat down, big guy, big burly guy, sat down making all sorts of noises and grunts and distracting people. But when the anointing set in, and the service began, and he saw the first little child healed miraculously before his eyes. He sat up and very attentively listened to our friend the rest, of the, the, the rest of the message and the rest of the service. And he noticed every once in a while he'd look over at this guy as he was attentively watching everything now. He saw these big crocodile tears coming down his cheeks. And he noticed those crocodile tears kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. And after he closed up service, he ran back basically to see if the guy was okay. He's like, sir, are you okay? And he said, this is the guy's response. And he said, I'm healed. And he said, our friend said, oh, God is good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And he said, but he said, I don't understand why. Why would he do that for me? 
Why? And our friend simply responded and said these words, because God is good. God is good. And he loves you. And he treasures you. Don't let anybody tell you that God is a bad God. He's a good God. And when the earthquakes and the rumors of wars and the bad things are happening, Jesus said, it's a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And Jesus said, but I have come to give you life and life more abundantly until it overflows. And in this world, yes, there will be tribulation. But, Jesus said, be of good cheer because I have overcome this world. If you receive this today, will you say amen? Bow your head and close your eyes, please. Father, thank you so much for being so good. And just we're excited about where we're going with this series and just getting a, a, a fuller understanding of who you are will allow us to become better receivers of your goodness and better givers of your goodness in our relationships to the people around us, helping us to become more and more like you. Not selfish, but selfless. Good to the people all around us in this world. And we thank you for the honor and the privilege to hear your word today. And we consider it a great joy and a privilege to know you more and more each and every day. In Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to receive Jesus Christ, or let me take it one step further, you've accepted Christ in your life, but you know deep down in your heart you're not following Christ the way that you could or should, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've never even made that decision to receive Jesus Christ, and you're saying, Pastor, I want to make that decision. I want to receive his forgiveness of all my sins. Today I want to do that. The Bible says today is your day for salvation. And when you call upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says that you will be saved. In fact, in Romans chapter 10, verse 13, it says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That means no matter what you've done wrong, all that matters right now is what Jesus Christ has done right. So if you've never made that decision to receive Jesus Christ, or you know in your heart, you're not at peace with God, you're not following God the way that you could or should, and today you're saying, Pastor, I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. If that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you be bold enough and brave enough just to slip up your hands all over this auditorium just saying, Pastor, I want to receive Christ, or I want to recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your hands. Any others who are saying, Pastor, pray for me too. I want to receive Christ or recommit my heart to the Lord Jesus. It's not too late. You can still call in his name today. Any others? Okay. Thank you so much. I know it takes a lot of courage to do this. You can put your hands down. Would you put a hand on your heart and pray with those that are making this quality choice? And we're going to call on the name of the Lord together. Would you pray this prayer out loud? Those that are joining us online, would you pray this out loud with us as well? Would you please repeat this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. Holy Spirit, fill me with your presence. Take my life and do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap? Amy's got some instructions on what's your next steps as a brand new believer or if you're recommitting your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
one of the first things we want to encourage you, would you please consider giving us one year of your life? I promise you, your life will never be the same for the better. We also have some other additional items just out these double doors. I'll let Amy talk to you about that. Thank you all so much. You've been a wonderful congregation as always. God bless you. See you until next time. Yes, if you made that decision for the first time today, we would love to send you home with a Bible if you don't have one. There are some right outside the doors at the welcome table. Also, if you're a first-time guest with us today, please stop at that table as well, and we would love to give you a gift before you go. We want to give you an opportunity. If you are sewing into the church today, there's a number coming up on the screen that you can text to. If you're making out checks, you can make that out to HPC, or if you're sewing cash, there are envelopes on the seat in front of you, and that way we can send you a tax receipt at the end of the year. We do offer after service at the black box by the door and on the wall as well as by the info desk so we want to thank you so much for being a part of the vision at high point and all that you do and praying for and supporting reaching people and changing lives here we appreciate that so much john didn't totally finish his his story this morning when he told about the white furniture a month before that whole white furniture thing happened a buddy of his from college was over at our house. And so this buddy that moved down from Minnesota, and we didn't even know he was moving to go to the same college that Sean did, um, he had been raised without a dad and had taken care of his mom since he was like 10 or 12 years old because his mom was severely sick and been raised in a really bad house, just um, had gotten saved in his mid-years. Um, by force, I remember, he said someone came up to him and said, you need Jesus. And he said, I believed him. Um, but anyway, this guy was a nice guy going to school to be a pastor as well, like Sean. And in that, um, when we found out we were getting this white furniture, we prayed about who we should sew our other uh, furniture into. And it was very nice furniture. It looked new. It was just hard. But it looked like guy furniture. It was just kind of masculine style, you know. And so anyway, we prayed about it, and we felt like we should give it to Sean's friend, Mike. And so we called him up and said, Mike, would you like our furniture? Because we had been at his apartment recently, and he had no furniture. And he said, oh, my goodness, are you serious? And we said, yes, we're serious. And he said, when I was at your house, um, it was like three or four weeks prior, he said, when you guys had me over for dinner that one night, he said, I saw your furniture. And I said, Lord, I'm not asking for their stuff. I'm not jealous, but that's the exact furniture I want for my apartment. Would you please give me that exact furniture? So a month earlier, he had prayed for our exact furniture. Not, he said, I'm not asking for theirs, but exactly like that. That's exactly what I want. So anyway, we brought that all over to his house, and he was thrilled, and it was he answered his prayer. So just like Sean said when he started today, God wants to get his goodness to you so he can get his goodness through you. And that's how it's meant to work. Amen?